The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Okay, the question of the day, are you ready to grow your company into a global brand? Well, if you are, that's a great plan, says Steve King, and I quote, Almost 75% of global GDP growth over the next decade is expected to come from emerging market countries. How can you not participate in that growth, Steve King asks. Well, we have more good news along that front from Eric Jachimstaller. Eric says today we run a global business in a hyper-local fashion. I'll be asking him to define that in a few minutes. Collaboration between headquarters, that's the parent, and subsidiaries, think of that as the children, is changing profoundly due to, no surprise, new social technology and collaboration tools. And Eric says the world is still round, not flat. So here's a shout-out to Virginia, whoever you are. Did you hear that, Virginia? But... Expansion via globalization for your company and any company can be like a real-life blended family. Mike Morrell advises this warning. Subsidiaries have been the stepchildren of the corporate world, always a second priority. We'll talk to Mike about that in a minute. And Sean Rogers has wisdom of the ages. He says, wherever you go, there you are, and don't you forget it. That's a big expanse of global statement, and we'll be talking to Sean about that. So pour a cup and join us. And tell us about what's in your cup at pound sign. SAP Radio Coffee on Twitter. Join us for subsidiaries. No, Virginia, the world is not flat. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. This is our 34th consecutive live weekly episode, and we're thrilled, thrilled to be here on the Business Channel, bringing you great speakers, experts. These guys, I have a panel of four men, how lucky could I get, are all experts in some way on the idea of globalization, the issue of subsidiaries, and you're going to learn a lot in the next hour. So let me tell you a little bit about my esteemed guests, and then we will hear their voices. Steve King is a founding partner at Emergent Research, where he leads ongoing research to identify, analyze, and forecast trends and shifts impacting business and society. His research interests include the future of work, globalization of small and mid-sized enterprises, which is why he's with us today, and the resurgence of small manufacturing. Hello, Steve. Say a quick hello so everybody hears your voice. Good morning, and good to be here today. Thank you, Steve. Where are you calling in from today? Lafayette, California. Wonderful. Glad to have you on board. We're doing coast-to-coast now because I'm in New York. And I'd like to tell you about Eric Jakobstaller. That's a mouthful. I can do it, Eric. I can. Eric is the founder and CEO of Vivaldi Partners Group, a global consulting firm that helps to unlock innovation and growth opportunities for brands and businesses in our digitally connected world. Eric has published more than 40 articles. He has been busy. He's also the author of two of the most important books on brands, 
Brand Leadership, The Next Level of Brand Revolution, and Hidden in Plain Sight, How to Find and Execute Your Company's Next Big Growth Strategy. Welcome, Eric. How are you today? Very good. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for joining. Where are you calling from? Uh, from New York City. All right. You're almost my neighbor then. I'll wave to you out the window during the show. <laughs> and let me bring on Sean Rogers. Sean has over 19 years of hands-on IT experience, focusing on Internet-enabled technology. In 2004, he co-founded the BI Network and guided its international growth strategy into 18 websites around the world. As a result, he made it into the largest and most read community, covering business intelligence, data warehousing, performance management, and data integration space. Sean Rogers, welcome to Coffee Break. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. I love fantastic. It's always good to hear. Where are you calling from, Sean? Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada this morning. Wonderful. We're spanning the glow of the states here, at least. And let's talk to Mike Morell. Mike joined SAP in the business design team in November 2010. Mike previously was a manufacturing manager right on the factory floor and a vertical marketing director at various companies, including Hewlett Packard, BEA, iLog, and Adobe. Welcome, Mike. How are you? Thanks, Bonnie. This is going to be good. I'm looking forward to your show today. Wonderful. And you are calling from where? From Los Altos, California. Wonderful. Okay. Well, we're spanning the U.S. And I have to tell everybody, this is really part two of our subsidiaries topic. We broached the subject back in February 2012, and Steve King and Mike Morell are back, and Eric and Sean are new to the topic. So let's kick this off. I'm going to go guest by guest and talk a little about your quotes. Let's get your voices on the air so people know your point of view. We have about a minute and a half each. So Steve King, you say over the next decade, there will be a billion new middle-class consumers in emerging market countries creating enormous opportunities for businesses of all kinds. A billion new middle-class consumers, Steve, that's a, a huge market. How do you figure that? How do you know that? Well, there's there's uh, a combination of things going on. There's a lot of people in emerging markets, uh, clearly China and India, of course, and they're, they're just rapidly um, growing their personal income levels in those countries. But it's not just China and India. Um, it's Brazil is, is, has amazing growth going on. And if you haven't been to Brazil lately, um, go down there because there's just so much going on that's interesting. So Brazil and South America in general, places like Vietnam and Indonesia, um, even Africa, which has um, not grown economically much over the last few decades, has, has started to take off. And so what we're just seeing across the, across the developing world um, rapid growth, rapid um, industrialization, and and because of that, uh, a lot of the, a lot of their population is entering middle class. Thank you. Good to know. That's still a huge number of people, and there's money in them, our hills, as, they, as we like to say. Let me uh, t- turn to Eric so we can hear about your quote, Eric. You said today we run a global business in a hyper-local fashion. Can you define that for us? And why did you tell Virginia the world is still round, not flat? Go ahead, Eric. Oh yes, um, yeah. I believe that the, the world is is still round, not flat. I think that there are huge opportunities uh, uh, globally, uh, as Steve pointed out. Um, uh, and I I just I just want to care, want to express my caution about relying too much on large statistics. I just heard a billion dollar statistic about global markets. I, my personal uh, experience in, in markets like China and Brazil or the BRIC markets in general is that there is a middle class, 
but for many, many marketers and for many companies, the middle is an empty middle. It is chasing fool's gold. Um, I like the statistics. They are big statistics, but I also believe that you shouldn't have trust the statistic that you didn't falsify yourself. Uh, Winston Churchill once said that before, especially when it comes to markets. I believe that markets develop very locally in very unique ways. That's why I call it a hyper-local market. Uh, in China, for example, yes, there is an emerging middle class, but nobody, no consumer wants to be part of the middle class. They are either at the bottom of the pyramid or they want to have the top end of the market. They buy the, 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 the German car manufacturers, whether it's Audi, um, um, Mercedes or BMW, is selling like hotcakes in those markets. Uh, so this is not, there is not that as big of a middle market as, as maybe statistics pretend to be. Every market is extremely hyper-local. Yes, we live in a global world, and there are global opportunities, but the way we harness them, the way we leverage them, have to be very different than just assuming that there is a global middle class that we can just tap into. Everybody wants to grow in somebody else's backyard, and it just doesn't happen this way this time around in this next cycle of economic growth. Interesting. Thank you, Eric. And we're going to move on to Sean Rogers, who has done globalization in a big way and very successfully. Sean, you told me wherever you go, there you are, and don't you forget it. Let's expand on that. Love it. It sounds like a lyric to a song somewhere. Maybe it was. <laughs> talk, talk to me. What, what's your experience? You can comment on Eric, but let's start with your quote, please. Well, I'll tell you, I wish it was that poetic, but it actually comes from a college roommate. <laughs> and I always found that quote to be rather interesting and, and extremely appropriate when I started doing international business. And to Eric's point about hyper local. I agree, and, and that's why I, I put the ending on that quote of, and don't you forget it. Um, mm-hmm. it's, in, it's incredibly important, I think, is, as you look at ways to expand your business, that you need to remember where you are and who you're doing business with, and remember that it's extremely important, and probably the most critical lesson I learned as I grew my company internationally was is that understanding local markets was the key to our success, and, and we did that in numerous ways, but it was the cornerstone of how we built our business abroad and outside the U.S., and frankly, I think it's one of the most important lessons I learned throughout the process is uh, aligning my company uh, with someone who could help me understand local markets, and, uh, and it helped us grow quicker than we imagined, and uh, it paid off in the end. So, you know, wherever you go, there you are, and don't you forget it is uh, certainly something that was uh, near and dear to my heart as uh, I, I worked through that process over a handful of years. I appreciate that. We're going to ask you to be our case study during the show. One quick question before I talk to Mike Morrell. Sean Rogers, question is, are we thinking of the old uh, phrase, when in Rome, do as the Romans do? Is that you really have to dig down and be part of that local culture in order to be accepted and be successful and thrive there? I, I think so, and I think that there's a certain level of wariness. Uh, you know, once again, Eric's comment, you know, don't assume you can just do business in someone else's backyard. And, and I think this is especially important for uh, American-based businesses. As we go into new markets, there tends to often be a little resistance to American companies. And, and in some markets, it, it's bigger than others, uh, but it, I felt it in most markets that there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of a wall in front of us as we entered, and, and we found mm-hmm. that it was key to align ourselves with someone who understood that market to be our guide and to be our partner uh, there, and they helped us. It, it became almost a, 
uh, a way to enter a market and knock down some of those prejudices that we might have uh, felt as we entered the market. So uh, do as the Romans do, I think, is, is, is appropriate for this conversation. <laughs> okay. I think that you need to assimilate who you're, uh, assimilate the culture that you're doing business in, and especially when, for me, uh, delivering technology-based information, uh, which is very global, um, it was also important for us to make sure that we put a local and uh, a regional spin on it. Thank you, Sean. And I want to squeeze in Mike Morell here before we go to our first break. Mike, let's talk about the other side, not going local, but the family relationship between parent and child. I can give you 30 seconds to start, and then we'll pick up with you when we start the second segment. Subsidiaries have been the stepchildren of the corporate world, always a second priority. Ouch. Still true in your experience, Mike Morell? <clears throat> well, I think it's still true, maybe beginning to change. I think the issue over the last, say, 15 years is corporate organizations have really focused on getting their internal house in order, if you will, and making sure that from a corporate perspective, processes are efficient and you can manage. But I think what they forget is what a lot of our other speakers are talking about is when you go to a, to a, a distant land, if you will, you've got to not only, you know, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do, but when in Rome, manage as the Romans do. And so if you sit back and say, how am I going to manage these organizations that are across the world uh, in a more effective way, not only do I want to ensure some sort of global compliance that comes from corporate, but I also want to make sure that those subsidiaries, you know, can manage, you know, in an effective way so they can be flexible and local. And I think companies are beginning to realize that, that, that to do that, to enable their subsidiaries to do that, they have to, you know, deliver systems and, and, and applications that, that make that process much more easy. Thank you, Mike. We're going to head for our first break. This has been a very rousing and high-energy opening segment here on Coffee Break with Game Changers today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, very excited about what's coming up, and you know what's coming up. We'll be finding out what my special guests are drinking in their Coffee Break mugs today and talking a lot more about subsidiaries, globalization, what's out there in the big wide world for you and your company. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com we hear it and read about it every day in the news stock prices plunging home prices receding and unemployment growing how can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy tune in to turning hard times into good times with host jay taylor Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning hard times into good times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Is marketing making us ill? And if it is, how can we heal humanity and the planet by changing the way we sell? 
This is Lynn Serafin inviting you to join me and a great lineup of thought leaders in business, media, and marketing on The Seven Graces of Marketing, Mondays at 6 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. So let the dialogue begin. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are because we are, and don't you forget it to quote Sean Rogers' roommate. We're back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I am just dying to know what my guests are drinking today. So let's start out with Steve King. What's in your Coffee Break cup today, Steve King? Oh, Pete's Coffee, Major Dickinson's Blend. I, I, I was up early this morning and uh, definitely needed the caffeine boost. You know something, Steve? They don't let me have caffeine on show days. Wonder why? <laughs> we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> Let's turn to Eric. Eric, what are you drinking today, please? Uh, for me, it's not a morning coffee. It's almost lunchtime here. So I already have passed on to Espresso, or going on to Espresso. We have a Nespresso coffee machine here, and my coffee cup is uh, Espresso black and hot. Oh, that sounds high test and high powered to me, and I can tell it's giving you a lot of energy. Uh, my question to you, Eric, is uh, I'm hearing more and more people talking about Nespresso. It's really catching on, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Nespresso is a absolute a runaway success from the way the company started, the way the company actually built as part of the Nestle uh, portfolio of brands, but the most amazing part is, is that it uh, uh, created a market opportunity uh, in the in place of uh, Pete's Coffee or Starbucks Coffee and grocery brands, and it created an, 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 an enormously profitable and huge market opportunity using a, a combination of innovation that that uh, 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 for which people are willing to pay a, a premium price. There you go. That's one of the one of the perks of our global world as we find out about this stuff so much earlier. And yes, premiums people are willing to pay extra for. We might might talk about that later on in the conversation about growing your global brand. I know you have a lot to say about that. Sean Rogers, I have to know what are you drinking today? <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm a spoiled little coffee brat as a matter of fact. So my uh my my global work uh, turned me on to Italian coffee a few years Ooh. back, and so I'm a, I'm an avid drinker of Segafredo Espresso Classico. So I tend to travel with it. So <laughs> I uh, really? I never go anywhere without my Italian coffee. So I'm enjoying a cup of that this morning. I love it. I have to know. I have to ask. Do you take the beans with you in a grinder, or do you pre-grind it? With no, tell, tell us I, your I, secret. I, I do pre-grind <laughs> before I take a trip, and I also have uh, the little pods. So sometimes those work for me as well. Just depends on what hotel chain I'm staying at and what kind of coffee apparatus they give me. I love it. This is getting to be a great part of our show is this conversation. Mike Morell, well-rounded out, kiddo. What are you drinking today? 
So my coffee of choice is uh, Starbucks Verona, which is bold but very smooth. It sounds like you're describing yourself, Mike Morell. Is that possible? <laughs> I, I, I don't think so, Bonnie. I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> First personal profile here. Well, I have a couple of tweets to read. Jeff, Jeff at SAP is one of our biggest fans here, and Jeff is always on board with a cup of something good. Today he's drinking Starbucks Dark Espresso and looking forward to hearing what all of you have to say about subsidiaries. And, of course, Malcolm. Well, Malcolm, what can I tell you? He's my guest talent manager extraordinaire. Malcolm Kimberlin is back from a week on the road. He was at Sapphire drinking hotel coffee, quote unquote, yuck. He's glad to be home drinking his favorite Equator coffees, dripped brewed espresso. So welcome back, Malcolm. Thank you so much. And a quick note here. Malcolm and I worked together as a team at Sapphire. I was here with our engineer in Phoenix at the Business Channel. Malcolm was on the ground in Orlando, and we interviewed 27 people at Sapphire last week. And soon we'll have a, yeah, well, back-to-back interviews. Got some great game-changers coming. Comments from influencers, partners, SAP experts, and even a customer. And I'll be posting a link soon on how you can hear it all here on the Business Channel, a special edition of Coffee Break. So let's get back to our talk about subsidiaries. Mike Morell, you mentioned to me in a pre-call the other day, you want to talk about M&A, mergers and acquisitions. How does this affect subsidiaries? Why don't you kick us off here? Well, if you sit back, most companies or many companies are now really beginning to use the whole mergers and acquisitions and divestitures um, to manage their, their their strategy or certainly to augment it. And and what we see is in many cases, um, whereas they'll still buy companies and sell companies to manage these these um, you know corporate strategies, they're not really paying a lot of attention to how these companies are going to bring sort of come into the fold and how they're going to basically leave the fold when when it's a divestiture and and my belief is that as we move forward and people start appreciating the fact that that subsidiaries needs to be an integral part of the overall strategy and the M&A process needs to be more effective I think companies are going to begin to realize that they've got to understand this whole balance of needs between what corporate needs to manage them effectively and maintain governance as well as what that subsidiary needs to be again flexible, local, quick, fast, and uh, and dynamic. So it's it's my belief that as companies become more focused on managing this M and A process, which really in turn means managing the subsidiary process, they'll realize that they can they can dramatically increase the effectiveness of their M and A process, and therefore the in, the execution of their strategy when they look at managing subsidiaries more effectively. Thanks, Mike. I want to bring in Sean Rogers here. Sean, you're, you're, I've nominated you as our case study for today. You did it. You did it big. You did it well and successfully. And you told me that expansion strategy, which is critical to how you did it. What was the ex- strategy? How long did it take you to develop that expansion strategy? And what can you, in a nutshell, how can you advise other companies looking to have similar growth success? Well, you know, I'll tell you from a timeline, it probably took us a good six months to uh, put together how we wanted to go about it. And, and we, we were challenged. Uh, we were privately held, uh, privately funded firm, uh, so we weren't awash in a lot of excess cash. Uh, there's an awful lot of risk involved as you try to take a company, even an Internet-based media company like mine, uh, global, 
And what we ended up uh, kind of focusing on was ways to enter these markets to knock down the challenges uh, that we might see in a market um, and to give us entree to a market. And, of course, I was serving uh, the technical market with content. And uh, our, our ultimate goal, of course, was to sell a greater level of, of advertising uh, into these global markets. So uh, kind of a two-pronged approach. We worked very closely with our biggest customers to understand what markets they wanted to reach. Uh, and then we, in turn, worked with uh, our network of partners and affiliate authors and, and contributors to our network to identify what we refer to as market mavens. And for us, these market mavens uh, were people who were um, somewhat famous, uh, somewhat well looked after, somewhat respected in these markets that we could align our message with. And we approached these individuals in each of these markets to find out and explore how we might be able to partner with them. So ultimately, we used a partnering technique to enter markets, which is, I think, a little off the beaten path, uh, certainly uh, well far away from uh, you know, M&A strategies and some, uh, some of the strategies you see from large larger companies. So uh, it was an interesting way to go about it, and uh, it, was, it, it was quite fruitful for us. It was very successful. Very interesting. Well, that's, what, that's why we have these conversations here on Coffee Break Radio, Sean, is to find out what people are doing in the real world and what works and what doesn't. And this is a great conversation. I'd like to bring Eric in. Eric, what do you think about the partner approach in terms of going deep local, finding out who the players are and what the needs are to break down those barriers before you have to find them at all? What's your position on that? Very much like this idea, and uh, I mentioned earlier in the, uh, in the conversation uh, the importance of the middle market, and especially in those emerging uh, uh, brick countries, let's say, in emerging global markets. And, and um, in a way, uh, there is a reality of economics and uh, how these cultures and com- uh, uh, consumers develop, and you need to participate in that. And I think that um, uh, uh, any global company, any Western company, any American company needs to be present in the top end of the market, uh, whether it is um, um, uh, GE and the top end uh, need to participate somehow in the bottom end of the market, but the the way to enter the the middle of the market and to explore the full potential really is through partnerships or uh, any other form of M&A strategy, and this is how um, Mike's comment really also becomes very valuable here. It's, it's the partner strategies or uh, any other form of M&A is really the way to participate in, 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 in being lo- hyper-local. And, and uh, to what Mike said, I like very much because, because that, that then it is not just a let's partner or let's acquire and let's run a standalone subsidiary because the, today the benefit of all of this is not just the profits uh, retribution. The, the, the benefits is the, the market participation, the, the local participation in the market and the feedback flow of information that we can all realize today um, uh, being not locally uh, in the market uh, at global headquarters and and, and leveraging that information to run the business uh, um, uh, uh, worldwide. Thank you, Eric. Steve King, I want to get you in here because we're, again, I don't know how we did it, kids, but we're heading for another break. It just goes so fast on live radio. Steve, let's talk about your impressions on what everybody, the M&A, we're talking about partnering, local, hyper-local. What's your take from your position? Well, you know, I, I look at a lot of things from the small and mid-sized business perspective, mm-hmm. and for those firms, partnering is, is, I think, the best way to start because then you, you, you 
don't have as much risk, you, you don't have as much capital to invest, and you have the opportunity to learn about the markets and develop strong relationships with people that do understand. So I agree with everyone that was said before. I, I think it's interesting there is a lot of M&A going on. I, there was a very large company, I think, by the name of SAP that had an acquisition yesterday. And I noticed in today's Wall Street <laughs> Journal that one of the reasons that they acquired Ariba was for their international presence, their presence, which I thought was interesting given SAP's international presence. But the Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. said that they acquired it to expand, help them expand in South America and in Asia. So even the largest of firms, even the most international of firms, a global firm like SAP, is also using M&A to, to, to expand internationally in certain vertical markets. There you go, and there we are. Yes, that was huge news yesterday, and I know there's going to be a lot more coming down the road. My big news is that we're ready for another break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Steve King to lead off. You told me the other day, Steve, that there's a trend in creating clone companies, and you're going to talk to me about an Australian company that actually had the nerve to clone Target, also known as Target. When we come back, lots more on the other side. Coffee break with Game Changers. And thank you to Joan for tweeting. She says, it's a cold morning in California. She's enjoying Pete's Arabian Mocha Sanani. Thank you, Joan. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram 
at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are. We won't forget it. Hey, I think if you live long enough, you hear everything. I never knew you could clone a company and even not even just get away with it, but sell it. Steve King, what are you talking about cloning companies? And tell me about the Australian company that actually had the nerve to clone Target, please. Uh, okay. Well, the 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 basic approach is it it happens more in the internet space. Um, mm-hmm. Companies internationally uh, latch on to an idea concept from a company elsewhere in the world and create a copycat in their own market. And the most famous examples come out of Germany, where a trio of brothers have actually an incubator that does this, and they've cloned over a hundred companies, including eBay, Zappos, Pinterest. And, and other well-known brands, and and in almost all of these cases, in the end, they've they've sold those companies to the to the company that they cloned, and so it's I you know it's not a strategy that I advocate or, or believe is even necessarily ethical, um, but as you as you start to expand, you need to think about are there folks out there that you need to be aware of from an intellectual property standpoint and also mm-hmm. in general do i need to be aware that these people are, are going to be out there um copying what i do and and it's not just as you mentioned it's not just in the internet space um, one of the best examples goes back many years a uh, company in australia actually car- more or less copied target and um ended up getting acquired by target in the end um, and so there were there were actually stores that looked almost exactly like Target stores in Australia, but they had nothing to do with the company, uh, with the parent company, the American parent. And so we're seeing it expand beyond just um, online companies, and and other types of companies are doing this more and more. It's more of a warning that you have to be aware of that. You have to right. be ready to. You have a risk to your uh, with your intellectual property. You have to be on top of people who may be doing that to you uh, around the globe. I guess the the old phrase, if you can't beat them, join them, can be expanded to if you can't beat them, you can't shut them down, you can't sue them, you can't stop them, then buy them for God's sake. Is that a way to go? Well, and we're seeing you know we're seeing it in particularly as I said in the internet space. Uh, Groupon's a great example where they've made literally dozens of international acquisitions to try to get to scale quickly. And so with the speed of competition and and the advantages of getting to scale in a lot of markets, we're seeing companies moving very aggressively to make those acquisitions. And again, in Groupon's case, they basically acquired a series of clones around around the globe. Um, and they they made some mistakes along the way, of course, but they also got some some good positions in a lot of interesting countries. And so it is, it is an interesting way, the, an interesting approach to expanding rapidly, is acquiring companies that look like you. Thank you. And I, I want to bring in Eric into this conversation. Eric, you talk about the, uh, I have a great quote from you, the goal should not be to build global brands. The goal must be to build strong brands that allow companies to extract profitable growth over time. Enduring brands is what you're focusing on. So talk to me a little bit about the cloning, and then how do you protect your global brand, Eric? Yes. Um, I, I know the Thunder Brothers very well. They are from Berlin. Uh, they are part of the German landscape of, uh, of uh, uh, businesses, if you will. But in a way, they are also a sideshow. And uh, themselves, they have become very rich. 
Um, um, but uh, nothing, of course, when we compare this to to uh, Zuckerberg and uh, 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 rel- relatives. But they have done a good business with that. I think that uh, I agree that there is a, a business of cloning, uh, and that is taking place, and in particular in that space. But at the end of the day, I, I think that that's just a fool's game because I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Winners in this business create a lasting value in customers' mind. And, and the Sumner brothers have no interest to create any brand whatsoever. They want to be acquired. They did it with eBay, and they have now built a successful incubator business around that. Um, and Parche in, 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 um, 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 in uh, Australia isn't, isn't uh, that company also doesn't do that. Uh, so I think at the end of the day, when I talk about creating value in customers' mind, mm-hmm. that means building a brand and building a differentiated position because only when you have a differentiated position, then you can extract an, a profit or, uh, over time as long as you can maintain that. So that that's sort of that point. But I, I, I agree with Steve that how important it is to look at have a peripheral vision, let's say, to, to, to monitor those, uh, um, if you will, challengers to your business. And it's an extremely important point. The second part is, is about global brands. I studied global brands very extensively, and oftentimes global brands end up to be not global brands, but global blends. Because Ooh. what the goal, the goal is to, there is an ambition in corporate headquarters, at a, at a, at a, at a headquarter, to create a global brand, and oftentimes there is, there is no global brand proposition and and there is sometimes the, the talent at, at headquarters does not exist to even create a compelling global proposition and they end up with something that is average and end up something that is not good enough so I suggest you need to build local brands and strong brands and and if there is a global brand that will emerge over time in this day and age so it's not about the starting point is not a global brand the starting point is to build global strong brands in local markets that's my point of view Thank you. That's a very strong point of view and very well stated. Sean Rogers, I want to bring you in. You obviously have mastered this. You understand the strategy. You understand about the branding and and going where you need to go, getting the value you need to get. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about, uh, let's, let's continue where Eric left off on building a strong brand rather than just global brand. What was your strategy? Well, you know, to to build a brand uh, outside of the United States is definitely challenging. And there's legal aspects that were certainly surprising to us. Um, and, and that's certainly not an area that I loved to focus on. Um, there, you know, as far as protecting your intellectual property, uh, protecting brand, protecting uh, everything as simple as logos. Uh, and, and we found once again our partners were a great help there. Um, and we also found that the more successful we became with our brands, the more important and critical these subjects began uh, to kind of crop up in each one of our markets. You know, we were very fortunate. We took uh, the BI brand uh, to Belgium and Germany and France. Uh, we we were working with companies uh, who were syndicating our content in China and Russia. 
Um, we were also entering the South American market as well. Um, so, you know, we were all over the place, and, and we were challenged uh, to maintain brand. We were challenged to maintain a presence in these markets uh, through our partners and through uh, ourselves. Uh, we had to certainly make a commitment to make sure that we were there to align ourselves personally uh, in market with our brands. And, you know, we were even challenged by, uh, obviously, by language. Uh, you know, we delivered technology content, uh, and we're fortunate that English language tends to be the language of global technology. Um, but that's mm -hmm. not true in every market. Um, and we uh, were fortunate that we knew we wanted to take the BI network global from the very beginning. So we utilized some good technology. Uh, we built some proprietary uh, uh, features into our content management system that allowed us to collaborate with our partners and basically treat our content as an asset. And that asset was one that we could uh, translate and uh, put into the, each one of these markets separately. Uh, so if we had an English language content that we thought would work globally, uh, we could translate it inside of our content management system, use that technology to deliver it into each one of these markets. So, you know, it's a, once again, being hyper-local and being courteous to the people that you're trying to uh -huh. serve as you try to build a community around your brand uh, is extremely important. And uh, uh, things like uh, being in market, uh, aligning yourself closely with the message that you're bringing into the market and, and treating those uh, customers or readers in, in, my, in my, my position um, with as much respect as you can. And language, of course, was one of the ways we did that. Of course, and I'm remembering in the early days, I was a, a big follower. I don't have much time anymore. A big follower of humor and jokes on the internet. You know, joining joke groups of professionals who had a good sense of humor. And I, I remember there was a thread going around. Sean, you'll appreciate this, where they took famous brands and logos and translated the English version into different country languages. And sometimes the gaffes were beyond embarrassing and beyond horrific. I'm wondering, just quickly, did you ever run into any of that when? you were doing any, uh, we'll call it, uh, localization of your brand in these markets. Did you ever run into any OMGs, John uh, we Rogers? We were fortunate that we didn't find it too often. Uh, but, you know, our brand was actually spelled B-E-Y-E -E network. And, of course, the word E-Y-E-I -E in there uh, worked well for business intelligence, B-I, um, but it, of course, had a secondary meaning uh, that we kind of liked that we felt uh, we had sort of a tagline around vision. And that didn't always translate real well um, into certain <laughs> markets. So, you know, it's tough. Uh, you know, you don't think about those things when you start your company in North America, and then suddenly there you are in Russia trying to explain to someone why you didn't spell B-I the way he expected you to. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling I could get a smile out of you on that one. Mike Morell, weigh in on this. We've got about a minute and a half before we go to break, and I will kick off the crystal ball with you because, Mike, I don't want you to be the last on the totem pole here. So any thoughts on what we've been talking about, the, the concept of language and custom barriers and cloning and all that good stuff? Mike Morell, SAP. So, <clears throat> so I agree with everything that everyone's talking about in terms of this, this, this concept of, of, of the, that sort of first look at what a customer sees. But I think that just as important is you have to incorporate these concepts into how you're doing business. So you could be establishing a brand and spending a lot of time and money to do that, and yet if the rest of your organization is not executing in that kind of way, then that's going to be lost. So I think you have to think about, one, establishing that brand and then taking the subsequent steps associated with incorporating how you deal with your customers across your organization so that you can propagate that image. And it can be propagated from anything from how you deal with, 
with uh, your, your labeling, how you mm-hmm. service orders, how you manage your inventory. In other words, there's a lot of different pieces associated with propagating that, that image um, to your customers from the rest of your organization. Very well put. And that all goes back to what Sean Rogers was talking about, that expansion strategy that is so critical before you even start to grow. Take time and do it well. When we come back, OMG, we are at another break. How does it go so fast? Great guest, great conversation. I hope our listeners are enjoying it as much as I am. When we come back, you know what's next, kids. Gaze into the crystal ball, and we're going to have our guests predict what subsidiaries will look like, feel like, sound like in 2017. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back with the final segment of today's edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. Fred, take us away. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com if you're ready to find your personal brand look no further than brand your fire get what you want radio with host monica magnetti to achieve success in business who you are and how you're presenting yourself makes all of the difference some of the topics discussed on our show include personal branding what it is and how it will help you we'll discuss the aspects of this including how to create a brand drive traffic and increase seo brand your fire get what you want radio airs live every tuesday at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern on voice america business zoom leadership it's the big picture issues of the day up close and personal capabilities of leadership and a desirable future of constant renewal zoom leadership it's the economic crisis made clear patterns and perspectives of leadership and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future join host john schmidt every monday at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific time zoom leadership an inside look at what's really going on in business government and civil society tune in every week on the voice america business channel When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
Speaking of coffee break and game changers, together in the, in the same sentence, I have a quick announcement here. We have a new website. It's sapgamechangersradio.com. You know how to spell that, sapgamechangersradio.com. If you go and visit us there and you use a business email address, guess what we have for you? Your very own free, oversized, gorgeous ceramic coffee mug and it says the name and the logo of the show it even has my name and that website so it's sapgamechangersradio.com and now it's time to do some predictions crystal ball sitting on the desk of all of my guests let's start off with mike morell from sap mike subsidiaries whatever you want to call it expansion globalization getting your brand out around the world hyper local let's talk about what will that look like in 2017 in your crystal ball mike morell so I think people are going to start looking at, at risk, okay? And there's a lot of risk across, you know, your, your whole strategy when it comes to expansion. You know, we talked a lot about branding and, and sort of the marketing aspects of things, but I think there's just as much risk to actual execution in the operations piece. And so I think as companies look at, at, at how to manage their ecosystem more effectively, they're going to look at how do I reduce my risk, my risk in terms of, the message I'm delivering to my to my customers and my potential customers, as well as my operational risk. Okay, so once I'm in country, how do what do I need to do to make sure that everything operates like I want it to operate, so that I can execute on things like branding strategies and and eff- effective delivery of products and services to my customers. Okay, thank you, Steve King, Emergent Research, Crystal Ball. What do you see five years ahead, or Change the time frame, Steve, up to you. What do you see somewhere in the future? Well, I'll stay with five, although that in, in the futures world, that's not very long. That's not long that's enough right. that I can hide from a forecast. Someone might actually still be around in five years and realize I got it wrong. We usually like 50 <laughs> years, so you could never tell if we got it right or wrong. <laughs> but um, I, the big thing is we, we've seen, we, we were seeing before the Great Recession, uh, a strong, a fairly strong trend towards growing numbers of small and mid-sized firms and our mid-sized enterprises um, starting to export and increasing their, the globalization of that sector. Um, the Great Recession actually slowed those numbers down, but over the last 18 months, we've seen it start to pick up again. And so, with the economy recovering and with firms in a better position to start to pursue growth. We think we're going to see a, there's a growing recognition that you need to be global. You need, maybe not totally global, but you need to go after markets outside of, and this is, I'm talking here mostly about U.S. companies, but these U.S. firms need to be looking outside. And so over the next five years, what we're, what we're projecting is a substantial growth in the number of small to mid-sized enterprises that, um, that move into international markets. I think that's very exciting for, for those companies and for our economy as a whole. Very, very. Do you see cloning continuing in the brick-and-mortar space as well as in the Internet company space, Steve? Oh, oh absolutely, because one, it's the tools to clone physical products and to be able to copy physical products are just getting easier and easier. And, you know, you're already starting to see that a little bit in phones, in consumer electronics, in tablets, um, and and we will see it um, in other areas. I mean, automobile in China, there's the case of Jeep actually getting cloned in China. Um, so even with cars. And so, yeah, I think that's an issue. But, but, but you know, that's that's just part of doing the business. The key thing, if you're a company, is if you get out there, um, you know, is making it happen for your business and watching for these people that'll get in your way. But, but more importantly, just executing well on your own plan. 
Thank you, Steve. What is that old phrase about the best form of flattery? Is some, I don't know something mm-hmm. about being copied. Anyway, we'll leave that alone. Eric Jakobstaller from Vivaldi Partners Group. I know you have a crystal ball, Eric, and I know you have a vision in it. So why don't you share with us what do you see coming down the road five years from now, Eric? Well, actually, I'm the one who I'm most nervous about making any predictions. I, I, uh, Niels Bohr, the, the, the physicist from Denmark, once said, prediction is always difficult, especially about the future. And uh, I don't want, to, don't want to reach this far. But uh, what I see is, uh, is that um, as a general sort of a big uh, uh, theme is that Information, the, the information that will be delivered from global markets in very far distance market will get stronger and stronger. The signals from those markets will get stronger and stronger. Technology uh, will enable us, social technologies, as I said, collaboration tools will allow us to, to operate from New York City or Palo Alto and, 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 and to receive signals from from this enormous wealth of, of uh, uh, global markets. And, and, and I think we need to learn uh, in, in this context ways of how to manage that. It affects how you build a brand. It affects how you innovate. Uh, it affects how you do businesses, like uh, Steve mentions about these this cloning uh, issues. So the signals become so stronger. And I think what happens is that this will significantly and forever change how you think of parents and subsidiaries of how you can manage that global operation. And, and I'm right now, as I'm sitting here, grappling with how does this affect the, uh, um, brand management and, and the innovation capability of, of, of large global companies. That's where I see the big tension, and there are these enormous changes that we have to, we have to um, uh, uh, be prepared for in the next several years of, of uh, how we can manage this. That's, to me, sort of the biggest uh, thing that I'm trying to get my heads, heads around. Thank you very much, Eric. And we want time here for Sean Rogers. Sean, wherever you go, there you are. And don't you, I'm never going to forget that. And don't you forget it, Sean Rogers. What do you see ahead for your company, for any company? I can give you one minute on the clock, Sean. Go. Well, you know, I, I think at its core, you're going to see, uh, not far off from what Eric said, companies are going to be wrapped in a kind of a transparent but a very thick layer of technology, especially collaborative technology, that are going to knock down the walls of distance and kind of fill in that gap between a company that might have a headquarters in one country and subsidiaries or partnerships in others. Um, and I think that this is obviously brought upon us because people are more accepting of this type of technology. Uh, people are more technology savvy today. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that they're not afraid of anymore. The technology has become a lot simpler to use. Uh, and it's certainly become more economical. And, and to Steve's point, I, I am in 100% agreement that in the not-so-far-off future, uh, mid, uh, small to mid-sized firms are going to be seeing globalization as a great growth opportunity for them. They're going to be empowered by these new technologies that make it easier and less expensive and reduce risk of going global, um, and it makes it easier for them to manage entities that are abroad. Um, and I think that we'll certainly see a, a big uptick in enabling technology for globalization and, uh, and, and once again, adoption from the small to mid-sized business sector that is going to see globalization, much like we did uh, at the BI Network, as a great opportunity to grow a small firm into a large firm. 
Thank you, Sean. Well put. Okay, it's my turn now. Coming up next week here on Coffee Break, update on consumerization of IT with my special guest, SAP's own Oliver Busman and other absolutely stellar guests. June 6th, very special topic, reaching a multicultural audience via a deep customer experience. What a show that's going to be. What a guest list. Tomorrow, well, don't forget, we're now on In the Cloud with Game Changers, Thursdays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to talk about the double-digit growth for professional services firms. What? Are they bucking that economic doom and gloom? We're going to talk about how in the world can they manage so much success. And don't forget, go to SAPGameChangersRadio.com for your free Game Changers mug. We've got people standing by ready to mail them out to you today. I want to say thank you to Patricia Harris, Joan Sherlock, Malcolm Kimberlin, and my wonderful team at the Business Channel. And a special thanks to Steve King, Eric Jakobstaller, Sean Rogers, and Mike Morell. You've been a great panel, and you know what's coming, kids. I'm going to email you a, how about let's doing part three on subsidiary. So stand by for that email. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's been a pleasure bringing you Coffee Break with Game Changers. And don't forget tomorrow in the cloud with Game Changers. We'll see you right here next week on Coffee Break, Wednesday, 8 a.m. sharp Pacific, 11 Eastern. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.